Um, hello, and a very warm welcome to the first ever edition of Blueprints. I am joined by my colleague Mahmoud and a guest today to hopefully bring you a fruitful and enjoyable conversation. Our guest for today works for a listed United States investment bank called Piper Sandler. He is the European head financial sponsors. His position carries the responsibilities of deal idea generation and merger and acquisitions deal execution for private equity deals. He works with both mid-cap and large-cap private equity firms and deals sizes anywhere from 100 million pounds to 5 billion pounds uh, usually. In his career of 27 years in the investment banking industry, 24 of them were dedicated to private equity clients. Before this, he worked for 17 years at UBS and six years at Investec Bank. Uh, while doing this, he also founded his own advisory firm, which is called Hess and Co Capital Advisors. So without further ado, I'm pleased to welcome Mr. Hess. Thank you so much for agreeing to have this chat with us. Thanks for having me. So um, to begin with, as we know, you studied at UCP. How did you like it and how was your student life? Yeah, so look, um, so I actually um, was at the EAP um, from 91 to 94. So the three year master's in management program. Um, so I joined um, in 91 after having done my four diploma in, in a German university. And uh, what I was looking for was a more international and a more um, practical orientated uh, university degree. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's how I shortlisted uh, EAP, ESCP. Um, and um, I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed um, the different facets uh, that you are exposed to through the program. Uh, for example, still remember vividly my very first uh, overnight um, task uh, where we were seven different people who never met before. The youngest uh, team member was 17, had never seen a company from the inside. The oldest was 28, had worked for three years uh, already. And so you know, you need to get used to it on the one hand, because it's actually a very different, or for me, it was a, a new way of, of aligning different perspectives. Um, and that's even before we talk about sort of different languages, different cultures, uh, and so forth. So I really like the multifaceted exposure that it gives you and how it consistently widens uh, your own perspective and, and, and your own learning curve. All right, all right, sounds interesting. And during that time, and even before during your first university bachelor degree, did you already know that what you wanted to do um, after your degree? And if not, how did you find about what you want to do? Yeah, it's a very good question. Um, I did not really know what I wanted to do um, in the sense that um, I had multifaceted interests. So I was interested in, in multifaceted things. So at one stage, because I was interested in international, I was interested in different languages as well. I was interested to, to see the world or expose myself to different countries, see the world. I also graduated from high school in the US, for example. Um, you know, I was interested in maths and physics um, I actually, putting all of that together, my first idea of a job was I wanted to become a pilot. Um, so I actually set the pilot test, um, which I failed, <laughs> um, but maybe luckily failed um, because, you know, ultimately I wouldn't have gone to, uh, to university um, and or, uh, you know, to, to, to the EAP or SAP. So 
so from that perspective it's it's always interesting how you know you're guided by your own interests or you should be guided by your own interests um, and then ultimately um, for me, it translated into into two different areas, which um, which I got very interested in, and that's how I chose my internships as well during the three years, which was management consulting, so strategic management consulting on the one hand, and then investment banking on the other hand, um, and that those were also the two that ultimately I applied for upon uh, upon graduating from from ESCP. All right, so you uh, didn't really know what you wanted to do until you. Uh, got your first internships and found interest in that field. And I deliberately chose the internships to give myself um, different exposures. So my first oh, internship, perfect. my first internship was in strategic management consulting in Paris. My second internship uh, was in um, in property uh, investments um, uh, in London, and then my third internship was in investment banking uh, in Germany. All right, all right. And do you remember how you? got to those inter internships, like how you searched for them, how you got into them? Yeah, so um, I, I applied uh, myself, so I, you know, I, I put my CV and my, my application pack together, applied myself, um, you know, the first internship I did, um, you know, I don't remember that, uh, that ERP RCP had any previous interns in that firm. Um, that was true for the second as well, and that was true for the third. Actually, it so happened. So, you know, I obviously, you know, looked at what resources were available, and I think there's a lot of resources available for, you know, for students yeah. today, maybe, yeah. maybe more than I had at the time. Yeah, for sure. But, but I, I followed sort of a little bit my own my own analysis, and uh, yeah, and applied, uh, you know, fairly fairly broadly to make sure that, you know, I I I really, you know, looked at how many different internships I could do and then chose the one which I felt gave me, again, the most interesting learning curve that I was uh, looking for. Yeah, it's interesting. Very, it's very interesting because you, like kind of when you interact with the ESCP community, like uh, firsthand, you see a, a big spectrum of people who know exactly what they want to be doing the second they leave ESCP and people who don't really have a clue yet and are looking for internships and looking for what they want to do. They have more or less of an idea, but not really. And they're just on that phase, which is a little bit weird. And it's good to see like obviously successful people who have reached uh, a place that didn't really know what they wanted to be doing when they were studying. So it's obviously great to hear. Um, going to that university time, which you didn't really know what to do. What was the first thing you did when you left university? So when I left uh, EIP, you mean? Uh, yeah, when you when you finished your studies. Yeah. So, so look, I mean, you know, I wanted to make sure that I knew um, what you know where, uh, both from a country uh, perspective, I you know which city, um, which country, and then also from, uh, as I said earlier, you know, between management consulting and and investment banking, which which sectors. I wanted to have all of that, um, you know, lined up um, ideally already before. I graduate or, you know, very much at the same time. Um, so, you know, I could then, um, you know, decide whether I start right away um, or whether, you know, I still wanted to go traveling, for example. And it, it so happened that I actually chose um, to, once I signed my first employment contract, mm -hmm. to actually have a conversation with my new employer to say, you know, I would really like to use the opportunity, which I won't have for a long time, to do a big trip to Asia for five weeks 
and um, you know explore Asia, which uh, which mm. which was a region at the time that, you know, as a European who lived in different countries in Europe, who finished high school in the U.S., I didn't really feel that um, you know I had exposed myself to to Asia yet. So, mm -hmm. so my personal decision was to therefore not start on the first of July, um, or the first of August, but I actually started on the first of October, and my. And my employer was absolutely fine with that. And uh, and if anything, I think probably, uh, you know, felt positively about, uh, you know, my desire to to explore the world a little bit uh, uh, before I start my first job. Yeah, and it must have been amazing too. <laughs> it must have been amazing. Um, I was wondering, what was the, like, major factor that kind of pushed you into investment banking? Was it the like the the internships or did you like um or was there something else that pushed you um so i was really really torn um between strategic management consulting and investment banking mm -hmm. um and what i did is um in order to help me make the decision um i identified um three um three different um people that worked uh, each for two years for um, you know, five to 10 years, and then for 15 to 20 years mm -hmm. in, in that industry. So I had six different conversations. Once I found those people, you know, I found them through friends and family, you know, um, um, yeah. and, and so I spoke with all six of them. And that allowed me to, to uh, compare what I heard from the experience of the person of the respective person that spent two years in strategic management consulting versus two years in investment banking. Mm -hmm. And the same again for the second, for, for the third and the fourth person respectively, that did the same, but for much longer for five years plus. And then, you know, at the very senior level at the, at the sort of partner level, stock managing director level, uh, you know, somebody who's done it for 15 years. And so I, I went into that analysis or that research, if you like, mm -hmm. um, completely open-minded, hoping it would help me make my decision. And it did, um, because my key takeaway, and look, it's ultimately it's a personal decision everybody needs to take, but my key takeaway was that the learning curve mm -hmm. in investment banking um, can be yours for a much longer period of time um, through those six conversations I had Uh, than than I found in the conversations I had with uh, you know with the three individuals in, in strategic management consulting, mm -hmm. which is not to say that that's necessarily always true uh, across everything, but that was my that was the result of my analysis, and so mm -hmm. ultimately that's how I decided for investment banking. And given as you said at the beginning when you introduced me, that uh, I'm still after 27 years in investment banking, uh, probably suggests that I feel I'm still learning something, even though I'm obviously. <laughs> quite experienced in the industry <laughs> yes for sure um i i wanted to ask do you know more or less how long it took to make that decision because i well i'm we're, we're not in that position yet but we're getting there where we're gonna have to make a decision ultimately like how how long did it take you because i'm sure i'm sure it's different for everybody but i'd like to know for you <laughs> Um, well, look, I think you, you want to hedge your bets a little bit as well, right? I mean, it all, it all depends also, um, you know, what sort of uh, employment market you're going into. So, you know, when I graduated, the year I graduated was not necessarily, you know, the easiest employment market, right? And actually, we did have, you know, some, you know, some friends at, at, at EAP or CP who, who, you know, who, who didn't find a job 
right away, right? Even though they tried. So, so you want to hedge your bets. You don't want to put, you know, everything on red. Um, so, you know, everybody should, you know, well, should think about broadly applying, not just, you know, trying just to go into one particular, uh, you know, employer lane uh, for a discussion because you just never know what, what, what will happen in reality, right? So, mm -hmm. so once I broadly apply it um, to, to both of those um, sectors that, that piqued my interest, uh, which was confirmed through my internships. Um, I forget now exactly, but I, I would have received offers from at least one firm in both of those different sectors. And once I had those in hand, and they, these offers typically come with, you know, that they're not open-ended forever, right? So you need to make a decision within a month or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I use that month then to to have those conversations I alluded to earlier to help me make my decision. And And so... That's that's the way I approached it, and uh, yeah, I was I was happy with my uh, with my ultimate decision. Fair enough, fair enough. Sure, sure. All right. And um, in turn, in terms of the investment banking career, what would you say is the biggest challenge most people or you have to overcome to be successful? Um, so, so I think it's it's fairly well understood and, and sort of documented what uh, what sort of qualities ideally, um, you know, a a new recruit, you know, brings with them into into that industry, you know, around you know uh, being, you know, being good with data, um, you know, being able mm -hmm. to multitask, you know, all things which which I learned, you know, um, which I learned during my university. Uh, life uh, in particular uh, in in the setting of of EIP ERCP, yeah, and so that's fairly well documented. I think I think it also it is a bit of a personal choice as well in the sense that it is a lot of hours, um, and you know a lot is 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 expected of you. Um, so to my mind, um, I mean the way I looked at it because that's what I was looking for. I was looking for that learning curve and I was prepared to give everything, um, you know, in terms, in the long hours and, and, and all that um, to, to really, you know, drive myself onto that learning curve. So from my perspective, that was, you know, that was something that I was specifically looking for and, and therefore was comfortable with. But again, that's a bit of a personal question, a personalized question, right? Um, so yeah. not, not, not everybody, you know, will say I'm giving 100% or 120% for this. The way I looked at it personally was that I was learning so much every day. Um, and, you know, <laughs> the way I looked at it was like, they are paying me and not badly for something I'm learning every day. I should be paying them actually. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, I took every single opportunity uh, that was thrown my way to, you know, to really hustle, I guess, and, and put the hours in. Um, and so for me, that, that was exactly what I was looking for. Um, and, you know, ultimately you have to be a little bit lucky as well, right? You know, you get along, you know, you get along with the people, you need to have good mentors, you know, you need to be in an environment where you learn, uh, you know, a, a lot, where you give a lot, but you also absorb a lot, right? And people are, are helping you on the way. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's how, so I remember it. So it's definitely sort of work hard, play hard. Um, but yeah. um, the, the, uh, the program that, that you guys are going through, I think prepares you very well for that. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, you just mentioned it's very time consuming. And um, was it already time consuming when you first started out? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
definitely. Um, so look, it's a, um, it would be very difficult, I think, in reality. Um, so, you know, both, both uh, my wife and I started out at the same time. Um, you know, uh, I think there's a reason why uh, sort of we both, as we both launched into it in the first couple of years, why, why you know, we were both very absorbed in it um, and, and gave a lot into it um, for, mm -hmm. for the positive reasons that we both were, were seeking. But, you know, equally, if somebody is going into that, um, uh, you know, uh, with a family, you know, with small children and so forth, that makes it quite a bit more, you know, complicated from a logistical perspective. Now, having said all of that, you know, I started when there was no working from home, right? So I yeah, started when yeah. there was technologically, there wasn't the same, you know, operating, uh, operational leverage that, that any, you know, uh, analyst and investment bank now that all the tools you have available for yourself i didn't have those uh, necessarily right so so again it's a different it's a different time in the industry um but it's definitely uh it's definitely uh it can be very rewarding but it's also asking a lot of you for sure all right and um what does a normal day at work look for you um yeah what does it look like for you yeah, so that's one of the that's one of the nice things uh, about it, which is um, I don't feel like I have a normal day, or I, I don't feel like I, I obviously plan my day. But you know, there's something new happening, and then all of a sudden, you know, the best the best way to describe it to my junior team members is, you know, you always have to be able coming back to multitasking I mentioned earlier. Yeah, you yeah. always have to be able to keep thirty different balls in the air. So I always draw a picture for them, which is look mm -hmm. here's here's a room. The room is full of hundred white balloons, and you know you need to make a decision and the best possible informed decision. Which of those hundred balloons, which ten of those you're painting red, because they are the ones that need to you need to keep up in the air. Mm -hmm. If one of the other ones sort of draw, you know, loses a little bit of gas and sort of falls a little bit, uh, yeah. you know, from the ceiling down, that's not a problem. But but the reds change every day. They may change every hour. They may change every minute. And so being able to to identify that correctly, make sure that you know you manage that correctly. Uh, you know that that separates a little bit the, the successful person in the in a job in that sort of uh, uh, environment um, from from a maybe slightly less successful one. And so, if that's something that you can learn early, and you're a fairly organized person, um, that is is worth a lot, in particular in your in your formative years, but but really throughout. Um, so so yeah so. I think that's the most important thing. And in terms of my own day, I have my sort of morning routine. Um, so I get up at six in the morning. Um, uh, I then do a bit of reading, um, you know, and, and sort of brief myself on what's going on in the markets. I typically mm -hmm. come to the office around about eight and I typically get home around about, again, eight. Uh, but then I would still, um, you know, work um, sort of remotely um uh for for how long it it is required um on and look i mean from my perspective now uh you know i look after my own client relationships um for, since since many many years so you know uh, it's it's a little bit driven by um you know by activity levels of course and uh, yeah like luckily in, in the last year we had the the best ever year in investment banking uh, everybody had um so mm -hmm. it's it's been busy times yeah for sure for sure and I imagine at the start of your career that those times would have fluctuated more because. So yeah, at the start of my career um, and 
you know, also given, um, you know, what I had available in terms of technology in, in, in 94, 1994 mm -hmm. uh, versus 2022, uh, it was much more, uh, you know, staying, you know, at night as well, um, mm -hmm. you know, very regularly working very late uh, through the, maybe not through the night entirely, but um, let me put it this way. I remember a period um, where I worked, where I probably slept, um, you know, when you're on a live deal, right, or on two or three live deals with a, with a timetable um, that, that needs to be hit, right, and you are, you are a team member, um, you know, and everybody is depending on each other's sequence, right, working correctly, hence the teamwork being a very good uh, exercise for you guys, um, you know, it, you could be, you could find yourself in a five-week period where on average you sleep no more than four or five hours a, a, a day, that can happen. Yeah, 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 I can I can imagine it must be tough, especially when you're trying to make a name for yourself. Um, but based on based on our uh, conversation so far, I would say your answer to this is, or I would assume your answer to this is going to be yes. But I'll ask uh, anyway. Would you say investment banking is a motivating career? And if so, what would you say motivates you the most? And so I would say yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, from my perspective, um, as I said, what, what motivates me is um, I still learn things. I learn something new every day. Maybe it's only 2% of, of new learning versus the 100% in the first couple of years. Of but, um, you know, I need to make the right commercial judgments um, every day, right? Mm -hmm. To make sure that you work on a deal, you bring the right idea to the right um, potential client for the right reasons at the right time. That's four different dimensions, you know, which you do probability analysis. There's, you know, what probability is, is it of getting that right? You cannot get it 100% right, mm -hmm. but it's an, it's a, it's an optimization question, right? And return resources question. So, so for me, the, the intellectual stimulus that comes with that is what motivates me most. Um, or if you express it in a different way, um, if I if I you know tell you that my biggest weakness is I get bored easily, mm -hmm. um, that therefore tells you that um, that intellectual stimulus which comes with a day to day job helps me deal with my biggest weakness quite quite well. Okay, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, and. Um... Could you possibly tell us your best story in investment banking? I would be, I'm very curious. <laughs> uh, my best story in investment banking. Um, well, may, maybe I just share this, which is, um, which, you know, which is another nuance to some of the things that, uh, that you've heard me say before, which is sort of before I, um, before I um, actually start the project, for example, of selling a company, uh, you know, I typically always offer the CEO of the company a bet. And the bet is, you know, mm -hmm. who he or she thinks will buy the business and mm -hmm. who I think uh, will buy the business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and the rationale for the bet is, is a little bit like what I said earlier, is nobody knows. Uh, you know, nobody can know who it will be. Um, you know, there may be different probabilities who it is. Is it a private equity firm? Is it a trade buyer? Uh, if so, if the, is the trade buyer from the US, from Asia, from Europe, mm -hmm. um, will anybody bid on the business? Maybe nobody bids on the business at all for whatever reason. So, 
you know, and and what I sell, what I say to the CEOs after after we do that bet, and they sort of ask, so why did you ask me to do that bet? Is um, because I then tell them, look, no CEO ever has gotten that bet right <laughs> in 27 years of doing this. And then they typically ask me, well, how often did you get right? And I said, I never got it right either. And that's the whole that's the whole point of of an advisory relationship, right? So, which is you know. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. You're obviously preparing the company for a successful sale, but you need to work together as a team to procure the best possible outcome. And if it was as easy as being able to predict what the future holds in terms of who the buyer will be, then um, you know you are you're not doing your job uh, as thoughtfully <laughs> as mm. as you need to. Yes. Yes, for sure. Okay. For sure. And as we mentioned in the beginning, you started your own advisory firm. And what were the major challenges with uh, starting your own firm? Yeah, so the reason, the reason why I did that, there were two reasons why I did that. Um, one was that at one stage, um, I actually did get a bit bored um, in, in big investment banking. And it actually had nothing to do with my employer per se, but I, I just got into a situation where or, or into a period um, where I just felt it was a little bit groundhog day for me. And so um, I, you know, for whatever reason, you know, I no longer felt I was really motivated to go to work every day in the same way that I was before. And so, you know, I, I sort of, you know, when that persisted for a little bit of time, it makes you think a little bit, okay, well, um, you know, should I, how, how do I put myself on a new learning curve? Um, and mm -hmm. so, so, you know, I just asked myself, okay, well, look, um, what, what haven't I tried yet? Um, you know, could I even still be relevant for my client base if I was just by myself? Is that possible? Because, you know, in an investment bank, you leverage sector teams, you leverage sector knowledge, you leverage country teams, you leverage product teams. So is it actually possible to provide a quality service just by yourself? Will your, will your client still see you as relevant? And so that that got me thinking, you know, whether whether that could be possible. And so I road tested a little bit with uh, with, a, with a number of my you know closer client relationships, and you know ultimately you know I wanted to to try that out um, because you only live once, and it's you know it it, it probably yeah. you know would help as an experience. It was risky, but it would help as an experience to. To alleviate that sort of groundhog day that I felt, um, you know, at, at that time, um, and so that's that's why I set it up. Um, and what were the challenges? Uh, a lot of challenges, <laughs> because all of a sudden you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, you need to dial for dollars, right? So you need to. You always need to do that as a banker as well. But you can no longer leverage any infrastructure. You can no longer leverage a sector team. No longer leverage a country team. No longer. You no longer have any real content that you, when you wake up in the morning, you know, you don't have 20 emails in your inbox saying, oh, this idea, that idea, what should we do with it? You have to, you, yeah. you have to do everything A to Z yourself. And so you have to reinvent yourself a little bit. And I think, you know, what you learn from that or what I learned from that is to be very focused. Um, so what happens when you come out of a, you know, of being in a, in a big bang for a long time um, and you know, having a good, good and positive track record as you. Once you are independent by yourself, you get a lot of calls from people who want your time. Um, you know, who who may even want to help you. You know, 
um, spend your time with them and, and sort of make you, help you in your new endeavor. But what you need to realize is that um, you need to be very focused on what it is that you want to achieve, uh, what it is that mm -hmm. your business proposition is, and how you marry those two, and therefore on what things you should spend your time and where you should say that is not consistent with those two dimensions, therefore I can't spend time on that. Yeah. And I think that's a very important early learning. And once you once you execute against that, I think then you have a profile, you give yourself a profile in a much more entrepreneurial setup that then should be able to help you create the momentum that you're looking to create and, and make yourself relevant. So, so that was the biggest challenge. Um, and um, it's a little bit, it's a little bit of a random walk as well, in the sense that you again, you learn, right? You learn, yeah. you make mistakes, you make new mistakes, and you learn from the new mistakes. Um, and so, you know, that's that's what I would say was the was the key to mm -hmm. get that mm -hmm. that right and off the ground. Sure, sure. And um, did you use any outside help? And if so, what kind of service did you did you use? So um, the decision I I needed to make on that one, and again, it was a very close call between two different things. I had a handful of people that wanted to join me once you know once I decided I was going to set up my own my own advisory mini advisory boutique kiosk mm -hmm. if you want to call it that <laughs> so and it was actually my intention originally to um you know to to bring them all on board uh, as with people that I knew already well right so we we had worked in the past together we trusted each other um you know they were excited about uh, about this project um they were prepared to take the risk of this project in, in the same way that I was And, you know, ultimately, again, I, I road tested that with, uh, with a number of private equity clients, you know, whether we could just become a, you know, five person, uh, you know, kiosk that would exclusively focus on M&A buy side, M&A sell side for private equity. And the feedback I got from the clients was actually that um, I could do that if I wanted to, but from their perspective, I didn't need to do that to myself, uh, you know, be be an advisory partner to them so long as I brought them only ideas that you know I knew I could help influence the outcome on and that would also be consistent with their mandate and the mandate I knew already and I could make decisions early so if they if they like the idea I brought in that way and then said okay let's work together then I would say yes okay um, and so that that then made me think well maybe um, you know it's actually better if I just try this by myself, because I'm taking the risk, I'm prepared to take the risk, but I'm not, I'm not risking, if you, if you like, the, the slightly shorter careers to date of the four other people who are all more junior than I that wanted to join me. And so let, let them stay where they are, um, you know, yeah. in, the, in the safety of, you know, of employeeship whilst I am self-employed. See how it goes for six, nine, 10 months. And they can see how it goes for six, nine, 10 months. And then, you know, then one can decide again. So I just felt that that was consistent with the client feedback I had and also sort of with, with the risk reward of, of us as individuals. And it did work well. And it worked uh, so well um, that the model of being a one-man band actually, you know, became profitable and became scalable, even though you're not really scalable as a one-man one band. So I, I, maybe I surprised myself a little bit there um that, that it did work but um that's that's the approach i took 
for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so now that we've talked a bit about your uh, advisory firm, um, I'd like to talk a bit about uh, Piper Sandler. As I mentioned in the beginning, you have a pretty high uh, position in that uh, uh, in the company. So how does it feel to have that sort of authority? How many people are you responsible for at Piper Sandler? So Piper Sandler, it's it's um, it's a bank um, which actually was founded a long time ago, 1895, um, but a bank which which has only more recently called it in the last 18 months, you know, really um, uh, decided on a strategic path where they want to replicate in Europe what they already have uh, since long in the US. Um, so seven sector teams. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, a, a, a broad-based pan-European um, advisory offering. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, um, we are still a small organization in Europe, uh, but one that is growing very fast. Mm -hmm. So, uh, at the moment, um, I, I don't yet have, I, I myself only joined three and a half months ago, I don't yet have um, my own team that's being built out. Um, I'm leveraging the resources of, of the sector teams um, that we have locally on the ground and then some other sector teams which we have not yet fully built out locally on the ground uh, in the US. So, so from that perspective, again, it's an optimization question where you know, I bring together the right ideas and the right content to the right private client base working in, in different um, teams with, mm -hmm. with different sectors. So, um, so in Europe, we are uh, roughly 80 people and five, 50 bankers at the moment. Okay. Um, but, you know, if you go back, uh, if you go back uh, to uh, 18 months ago, we were only, you know, we were less than, less than half of that, for example. It's growing really fast then. Yeah. Um, in like, okay, you were not as of right now um, in charge of any people, but what are the main challenges that come from the responsibilities you just told me about? The biggest challenge is to get return on resources right. Um, and so, because, you know, everybody has the same precious good, which is finite time um, and resource, and, and we still have finite resource given how, how quickly we're growing. Uh, that's the biggest challenge. So make sure that, again, you're very clear on what you want to achieve, what your addressable market is. So I've done a lot of analysis on our addressable market. Mm -hmm. uh, within private equity um, and so I have a very clear uh, so the first three months since I joined I did a lot of work on that um, which I presented um, you know internally and it's now all agreed that that's the plan that we are we're following and once you have a clear plan and a clear compass um, then it's about execution so so the strategic phase in terms of the analysis is done um, and therefore we have a very good um, roadmap now to to optimize uh, in the execution the return on resources for us okay okay got you all right all right and now to shift our focus more to towards our ecp audience that is interested in pursuing an investment banking career what is the best way for a student to get into private equity um so look i mean when you compare and contrast it to investment banking, um, just by the sheer number, um, there's obviously a lot more uh, employees in investment banking than there is in private equity. Having For said sure. that private yeah. equity itself has grown massively. Um, but so, 
you know the best the best way i guess is um you know to maybe a little bit like i said earlier to get yourself into areas which you know which are of interest for for a private equity employer and actually a, a lot of the junior um recruits that are being made offers by private equity have a combination of some of those learning curves um, I, I mentioned earlier. You know, they, for example, they have spent time in strategic management consulting. They have assessed industries. They have assessed industry cycles. They have an ability to forecast the more interesting parts of an, of an industry compared to another. They have an ability to find the right companies that should benefit from those future drivers. Um, or investment banking, right? So where they know how to run projects, um, how to M and A, you know, how to how to deploy the M and A product in the right way, how to assess different options. So, you know, that's that's where, for example, coming back to investment banking, investment banking career can be very productive because, um, you know, it could be you can make a decision after two years whether you want to use that learning curve that you have there to apply it to a different industry. And that was one of the other attractions I found. And that's tr true for both, you know, management consulting and, and investment banking. It is just a very good additional school of learning that is so applicable mm -hmm. to other areas and, and you know, including in particular to private equity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, hypothetically, if 50 students were just put in front of you and you had to pick, let's say, 10 of them out, what would you say would be like the five or three main skills you'd be looking for straight off the bat? Um, so, so me personally, um, you know, I would, I would look for, you know, what decisions they made, why they made those decisions, you know, what sort of, you know, their plan was how they executed on that plan. Uh, so that's both, you know, studies and, and sort of other things, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, um, I, you know, I, I, I'm just interested always in, you know, in, in understanding what, what drives them. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we need a lot of drive, as, as I mentioned. Um, um, and so from that perspective, um, that's something I look for. Um, and then, you know, I, I give them an opportunity and ask them sort of in what, in what sort of environment they think they thrive mm -hmm. and then try to help them understand whether that sort of environment is consistent with the envi environment they're interviewing for. Because, you know, sometimes it actually isn't. And it's mm -hmm. just fairer to call that out early on uh, rather than to go through the, through the painful experience that there's a mismatch. Yeah, the whole process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like a huge part to this would be uh, decision making, right? Decision making, motivation, drive. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, okay. Those were the names I was looking for. Well, um, I would like to personally and from the whole blueprint team team, um, thank you for this opportunity to have a chat with you. Um, I hope the people at home are enjoying as much as I just enjoyed this conversation. Um, it was great. I learned a lot and uh, thank you so much for this. Thanks for having me and, uh, and good luck with the studies. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Take care. Take care. Take care. Take care.
Ticker. 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 Ticker.